0: I want to go to there. Skype! I saw it in the window and I just couldn't resist it. Francie doesn't like coffee ice cream. Hi, for those of you who've just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person.
1: Are we having fun yet? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes! 30 Hellens agree. Never mind. Maybe the dingo ate your baby, huh? It's a cunning plan, actually. Would you
2: believe it? And you beautiful tropical fish. Don't mention the war. Clear eyes but hearts
0: keep Hello and welcome to the Tulliver Sound On Sides TV podcast. This is Kate Kolsick and I'm joined as ever by Sean Colletti. Sean, how's it going?
2: Recovering from illness. It's not fun.
0: Well, but you know, you got a little happy news to help you with that. Six seasons in the movie.
2: <laughs> How weird is that announcement. I,
0: I'm not actually surprised. Just because I I knew that there you know in the back of my head I knew that there was only like a couple days left, so if something was going to be announced, it would be happening. Um, and I don't put anything past the community people and the fans as well. So, but we did get an email from like right away from Carl about uh, saying that um, that this you know gives a little hope maybe for the enlisted fans out there. So I don't know mm-hmm. if the the one deck directly you know implies anything about the other, but I know there's a lot of community fans out there that are very happy today.
2: Yahoo is the new Netflix.
0: <laughs> this week at the end of the podcast, we're doing something a little different. It's part it's kind of a dvd shelf it's kind of a season spotlight it's it's more of a just a general discussion about p- portrayals of zombies and the undead on television um, but with a little bit more of a focus on les revenants season one we talked with david backs from battleship retention and hey watch this with paul and david it was a lot of fun
2: this is a good discussion so anybody who has seen any of those series that you mentioned stick around
0: yeah we mostly keep Things spoiler free, so I, 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 you know, I went back, I was editing, I was listening to it. Um, I, I don't think you guys need to worry about about spoilers there. So, um, there is a moment or two that we discuss that are a surprise but not a spoiler. Um, in, in Les Revenants, so if you want to be a 100% no, absolutely nothing that happens, then that we that would ruin something for you. But on the whole, I think you guys. It, it's it's spoiler free, and you should just uh, go ahead. Feel free to listen. But uh, before we get to that, we got several responses to our question of the week last week. What was the question of the week? To re- remind our viewers, our listeners,
2: yeah, the question was: Which mini series Question mark Did you prefer? Question mark uh, Fargo or True Detective?
0: Carl says, uh, this is a tough question, like trying to choose between triple chocolate and quadruple chocolate ice cream. Both shows had great performances by lead actors with memorable and unique scenes of long dialogue. Both shows had breathtaking cinematography that really elevated the story. Both shows started really strong and effectively built the world the characters inhabited. True Detective had more mystery. Were the detectives involved in the murders? Who was the Yellow King? Fargo built up a better cast of secondary characters with more things to do than True Detective. True Detective had the amazing tracking shot, but Fargo had the blizzard... Fargo had episode titles that always made me wonder how they would incorporate Morton's Fork, etc. So while I love them both, I would give the edge to Fargo. I never knew where their story was going to go, even though it was based on the movie, and I think Alison Tolman was such a revelation in her performance. Also, I was truly spooked by Billy Bob Thornton, there be dragons here, and I think I was more satisfied with Fargo's ending. Plus, I grew up in Minnesota and loved the Coen Brothers quirk ryan though says between fargo and true detective true detective four direction fargo stuck the landing overall my opinion is a flat circle which is I thought that that's pretty fun
2: that's probably the best and the easiest way to get out of the question
0: Yeah, pretty much uh mario says fargo was engaging true detective was riveting so true De- so true detective sure do get the edge yeah yeah i that's <laughs> terrible yeah, yeah. I I I apparently I can accidentally do the Minnesota nice thing when I'm talking to people not from the Midwest, but uh not when I'm not when I'm trying. <laughs> oh apologize. yeah, you betcha. Oh yeah, don't you know. Uh we also heard from you guys a little bit about uh Mary Tyler Moore show. Um Beth says my mom's cousin is infamous for throwing horrible parties and we just refer to parties at her house as Mary parties. Uh, which I thought was pretty fun. And uh, Beth also says that we should check out Happy Valley, which was created and written by Sally Rainwright, who you know we might know from uh Last Tango in Halifax, which started up season two actually this past week. And it stars uh, Sarah Lancashire's only six episodes. So Beth uh, has not steered us wrong in the past. So I'll have to to take a look for that. Keep an eye out for Happy Valley. Thanks, Beth. Mario uh, says he loves the Mary Tyler Moore show. His favorite episode is The Lars Affair. Um, and he loves the fin- Veal Prince Orloff party, which we talked a little bit about last week. Um, but uh, no, of course, Sean, you weren't able to speak with us. What Do you have any thoughts on the Mayor Tyler Moore show?
2: Um, general ones? I don't know. I I haven't seen many other sitcoms from the air to compare it to. But the things that I have seen, I've definitely enjoyed. My understanding is that there was like a huge shift in uh, the direction of the show, right, in later seasons?
0: It, it started out being very balanced or trying to balance uh, a set of home life and friends um, with then the, the work life and more and more the work family became her true, you know, like the friends got to know the work people and then it all became one group and then eventually it was just work. Uh, because the the friends kind of ended up moving off, and Rhoda became its own spin off and and all of that, but uh so there there was a little bit of a shift over the course of the series, yes,
2: yeah, I think then I've only seen episodes from the earlier seasons, which i, I enjoyed perfectly well, yeah,
0: well, it's a great show, and anyone who wants to listen to to me talk about it with uh with Sarah Rodman from the Boston Globe, should check out our podcast from last week. But of, of speaking of other shows, uh, Mario says, you guys don't watch Covert Affairs, but I like st- the strong female spy Annie Walker, the lead there, uh, played by Pepper Parabo, though my favorite is Sydney Bristow. I'm a big fan of Sydney Bristow myself. Any any thoughts on Alias or or, or Covert Affairs? Have you seen any Covert Affairs?
2: I don't think I watch... Wait, is Covert Affairs on TNT or USA?
0: I don't... Maybe it's TNT. It's one of those.
2: Man, I don't know if I watch any dramas on either of those now that Southland is done, so I have no opinions.
0: <laughs> uh, Eric wants to know how they can air Spartacus on Siffy. Uh, I love the show, he says, but how long is each episode going to be? Is it going to be 20 minutes with 40 minutes of commercials? I did not watch the pilot, the, the, the recut God. of the pilot. Did you?
2: No. I mean, I don't know why I would... Uh, <laughs> It's weird. Uh, Spartacus, you can't really do a dumbed-down version of it, really. I don't, I don't know. know. I guess some of the broadcast networks like Hannibal, shows on the networks like Hannibal are getting away with other things, but I don't know. That It just seems like a bad idea.
0: I rewatched the, the pilot recently, uh, just last week, and I was actually surprised how little there was. I mean, because we're used to the later seasons. Where things get epic, Um, Mm -hmm. and and even just the later gladiatorial scenes, but in the the pilot, it's actually pretty pretty manageable. I could I was like watching it because that was in the back of my head, and I was you know there's just a few things you cut here, you cut there, or you know cut to a reaction shot instead, and. You know, this is all of a sudden it's way less intense, but I don't know. I haven't, I'm sure it'll be an abomination. That just seems weird and wrong, but you know what? There's, there's a little bit of fun to that as well. Like I remember when sex in the city first showed up on the TBS cuts or whatever they were of that. And just thinking that was ridiculous and sort of fun to watch in its own just bizarre way. So maybe there'll be some fun in, in watching this, you know, sanitized version of Spartacus.
2: I, I, Speaking of Spartacus, I got to to drinking with my brother and some of his friends over the weekends, and uh, we just he and I just double teamed one of his friends and was like, Here, you gotta watch Spartacus. And then we actually went and got the the Blu rays, and so he had to take them home that evening.
0: Nice, that's awesome. Well, I just uh kicked off a lost marathon with my sister, we watched the pilot, and uh. And I, unfortunately, I won't be able to join her, but she's never seen the show before. So that was a lot of fun. And I that's one of those shows. There are certain shows that I don't worry about overhyping. Mm-hmm. Um, La- the Lost Pilot is one of those episodes. I'm not concerned that I'm going to oversell it because it is, it is that good. And with Spartacus, if they're the kind of person that would dig Spartacus, then I'm not worried about overselling that one either.
2: Yeah. I mean, it takes maybe just... 3 or 4 episodes and then you're good for the yeah. rest of it.
0: If you're going to like it. Not everybody will like it, but if you're going to like it, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um speaking of shows that are gone too soon, I talked a little bit with Keith about Bunheads cuz there's no DVD. You can't buy a DVD of Bunheads. And I I I know a teenage dancer that I want to give it to and I can't and that is really frustrating. But anyways, Keith was saying I was talking about this on Twitter. He says, uh, "Sad to say, if it's been this long, it still hasn't uh, come out. It's probably not going to happen." Uh, what do you? Any thoughts on that? Do you think there's a Bunheads DVD somewhere down the line?
2: There's got to be, right? I mean, it's one of those things where the reaction since it's been canceled has been very vocal from a lot of people. So it seems like eventually all of those cult series get a DVD
0: yeah fingers crossed uh Keith also went on to say that uh he would own Gilmore girls all on d v d if not for the horrible ending. I hated it so much I decided to turn the one season I did own back in for store credit to Amazon. There are a few shows I'd own the complete runs of on dVD if not for the endings. I thought that was a good point. do you have any are there any shows like that for you where it just the ending just can't can't handle it
2: off the top of my head no I didn't finished dexter so i imagine that i would have had a reaction to that based on everybody else's and i didn't finish how i met your mother so
0: fair enough uh yeah I, if a show loses me that much usually i don't stick through for the ending i i've gotten better at cutting the cord on some of those long-running shows for example true blood we'll get there later <laughs> um i also wanted to on a another cheery topic uh i did speak with marcus Aaron, one other of our listeners uh briefly on Twitter this week we kind of we were talking about Tyrant. Now did you end up watching the Pilot of Tyrant? I did, yeah. Are we going to talk about that later in the show or No. No, okay. Well, th- we were talking about depictions of rape on TV and we started talking about Base Motel and it was a very uh it, it was it was wasn't that long of a conversation as Twitter often can happen as can often happen on Twitter, but it was a thoughtful one, and I appreciated the exchange. So I wanted to thank Marcus for that. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's been there's been a lot of conversation about a few different shows this week on Twitter.
2: Mm-hmm. It's I think hot topics like that are ne- kind of necessary to talk out because there there are very like bad ways of approaching that conversation, and sometimes it's easy to kind of just have the initial emotional reaction. Um, which I think happens sometimes.
0: Yeah, and it's good to, you know, just follow it through and not just have the reaction and assume, you know, like infer into a tone, you know that kind of a thing, as can so happen, so easily happen on Twitter. But but that was a lovely conversation. So yeah, so so I've gone on too long about. I was about to say bunheads, but I will never apologize for talking about bunheads. So uh, but 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 I think it is time to move on, though. Cause we have a bunch of shows to talk about. So now we're gonna take a break and come back with our week in reality and comedy. <laughs> comedy and reality. I'm going to preview a little bit of Nathan for You Season 2 and Drunk History Season 2, then we'll talk Rising Star, So You Think You Can Dance, Uh, You're going to give us a little uh, preview of, or review, I guess, of Vicious Season 1, and then we'll talk a little Wilfred, Amends and Consequences, and, of course, some Adventure Time, The Prince Who Wanted Everything. But to kick things off, Nathan, For You, Season 2, and Drunk History, Season 2, start up this week on Comedy Central. I've seen the first episode of each. Drunk History uh, isn't really my bag, so uh, there were more episodes available, but I, I did not watch them, and all I would say is that I think fans of Drunk History will really like this episode. There, as is common for me with the show, in the, based on the episodes I watched in season one, the I really enjoy the flashbacks or the the actual his, the actual drunk history of it. I always enjoy, particularly performances. I have no interest in spending time with the drunk person in the present day. So, uh, that is. Probably, I'm guessing. I don't know, because as soon as they start actually telling the story, I'm very engaged when they go into old timey flashback mode. But the 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 scenes of the person actually talking rarely are engaging for me, so that's why it's not really my bag. But I did really like the, they they have some fun guest stars. I won't spoil them, but there's a couple cameos that are pretty great, and of course Jordan Peele shows up in a significant role uh, in the in the history part of of the premiere, and it's that was pretty fantastic as well. So I think it's a a solid return for a show that just really isn't my comedic taste. Um, Nathan, for you, I hadn't seen any of, so I might have seen like one segment in the first season. I know it's a big gap in my recent Comedy Central uh, viewing, but I did enjoy this premiere. Um, I'm not as sold as everyone else seems to be, so I think maybe I need to watch more of it to get a better understanding of the comedic sensibilities of it. Did you watch anything for you?
2: I watched a few episodes from the first season. Yeah.
0: So and what is it? What did you What did you think?
2: Um, I more or less agree with what you said about both of these shows. Uh, I actually saw more Drunk History, despite liking Nathan or for you a little bit more. But neither are. I don't know, of the quality of something like Broad City um, or Review. And I know that's a pretty high standard already, but there's there's definitely funny bits. And uh, Nathan, what's his last name, Fielder? Yeah. He's he's definitely got a great comedic touch and <laughs> gotten to some really entertaining antics on, I want to say, Instagram recently. So, um, But in terms of the show itself, hey, I can give or take.
0: Yeah, th- I think, again... It seems like, from what I've heard from other people, if you like season one, you'll like the season two premiere as well. I'm glad to have spent time with it. And I do... I'm curious about Nathan for you in a way that I'm I'm not about some of the other Comedy Central shows I I still need to catch up with. Um, But in general, I'm sure people will like them. uh, The fans of the show will like them. And I'm glad that they're both back. I like that Comedy Central is really developing different styles of comedy and exploring these different avenues. Because you put... Key and Peele next to inside Amy Schumer like there's like a tie there next to Broad City there's a tie there but then Nathan for you is different Drunk History is different I always appreciate them you know trying different comedic uh, avenues
2: absolutely yeah they've 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 still done a good job of building brand which is something that I, I've noticed networks doing more and more better lately
0: yeah. Let's move on to our reality and uh rising star had another episode. What did you think? Are you more on board?
2: Um, this one went by like very quickly, despite it not being any shorter or longer. Like, uh, they had 12 auditions instead of the 10 from last time. And so it was like really, really quick pace. And there was no like extra fluff when there was in, uh, in the first episode, the, the thing yeah. I like most about it right now. And the problem yeah, the other half of that is that the auditioners aren't like of a, a very high standard yet. Um, but the banter between Josh Groban and, uh, and Brad Paisley is fantastic. So all the panelists and everything going on there is really, really entertaining because of how, because of how improvisational it is, I guess it's live TV and like Groban says some things that are like very inappropriate sometimes, but have to get glossed over. And so like it, you just think about it for a second as he's talking about whatever he's talking about next. And it's actually really hilarious.
0: Yeah. Josh Groban is, is pretty great. I, I'm a big fan of his sense of humor mm-hmm. that, that, that he's shown about himself and, and, uh, and just in general, he, he's a comedy fan as, as far as I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a like stand up fan and everything. So to, to see, you know, he's got a good sense of humor and he's can laugh at himself and doesn't take, some of his stuff that seriously, which I very much appreciate. But he also he knows his stuff uh, about music, as far from what I've seen at least. He he is a knowledgeable host on a sh- to have on a show like that. Because the thing for me with with coaches on, on these kinds of shows is that, um, and it's something that a lo- I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand. Sometimes the best performers are are terrible teachers because <laughs> they don't necessarily understand how to translate what they are naturally very uh, gifted at or what they, uh, the elements of their technique that came naturally that they didn't need to work towards. So if you just get somebody who's just amazing, just everything just came really naturally for them. uh, I'm sure everybody has to work to be that good, but still like certain elements just felt right. Then they aren't necessarily good at helping others understand that or, or approach it. So, so when I, when I say Josh Grubbin knows what he's talking about, I don't mean that he, you know, shock and astonishment, the guy with the really good voice can sing. <laughs> I, I mean, he seems like he's, you know, very thoughtful about how he approaches this stuff. So
2: Oh, he really does. Yeah. He, we get clips of him working with each of the auditioners before they go on, and he absolutely knows what to say. Yeah. Um, there's probably only one standout performer for me in the 12 from this episode uh a young woman named sonnet as in the 14 line poem which is great uh who did a really really excellent rendition of chris isaac's wicked game which is one of my favorite songs of all time so that that gets the thumbs up for me
0: very cool i might have to check that out i don't know i'm a little nervous i don't want (laughs) to i don't want to rain because you say sonnet and that's adorable i say sonnet and really who did that to their child
2: yeah well could be worse.
0: (laughs) Well, let's move on to So You Think You Can Dance, which finished up its auditions and had its callbacks and top 20. And (sighs) Yaya!
2: I know, yeah.
0: I was very surprised. I was was so certain she was in.
2: Mm -hmm. There were a couple who I thought were kind of on the the edge that could have gone either way. I don't know. Um, Mary Poppins, I think, was one of them. But yeah i seen some of the, the performances during the choreography those weren't necessarily great but it was like really really high standard for some of those so yeah. that was impressive
0: just wait <laughs> just wait till <laughs> you see what they have to do every week it's ridiculous because because having seen more seasons of the show when mary poppins was trying, doing this other style i just saw it and was like oh no she's got to go I mean, I enjoy her in her style, but, and the other one for me, oh man, they spent too much time on him, but damn, that was a good solo from, uh, or, uh, in his own style dance from, from, was it Steven, the animator whose, whose, whose girlfriend, uh, gave, gave birth?
2: Yes. Oh man. He was fantastic in that performance.
0: Yeah. Damn. You know, when Twitch starts like yelling that Uh it's, that they're good. And Twitch is amazing. Uh, he's was a previous contestant on the show. Did not win his season, but he's only gotten better since. Um, so, yes, yeah, so there were some pretty badass uh, moments. I would also say Ricky is an early front runner. I thought his, like, limp body thingy he was doing, along with mm-hmm. all his ballet stuff, was amazing.
2: I, I'm going to go against what I said a couple weeks ago, and uh, I'll, I'll take... Jessica the the young blonde who does the jazz as my pick because she killed that you know dance for your life routine that was one of the best things on the entire episode and she's the only contestant left who's from California
0: <laughs> Fair enough yeah when they do dance for your life and Yaya's dance for your life was badass too uh when they dance for their life it's on the, on those shows they don't they only show it they only have them dance for their life if they know that the person is really, really damn good. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was pretty awesome. I'm looking forward to the top 20. Now, did you feel like you got to actually know them? Normally what they do is they do the, uh, the rounds of cuts, and then they have um, another episode that is just revealing the top 20. So they do the green mile, and they walk down, they talk to the judges, and they tell them, and then they have a live performance episode of everybody dancing in their own style so that the viewers get to know them, and then the next week after that, they start the actual competition. Um, So this, for me, this felt really rushed and and hurried. I didn't feel like I got to know any of them that I didn't already know from the auditions. But what was it like for a new viewer?
2: Uh, Based on what you've just described, I probably would have preferred not what we got here because it it did seem somewhat rushed, and there were some people who got into the top 20 who I still don't really have a sense for who they are and what they do. Her? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Her? him <laughs> Yeah. Uh like that they have the those two tappers who seem adorable, and I know that Nigel likes tap and everything, but I was just watching that going, but it could be Yaya. So <laughs> I don't know. We should move on though. Why don't uh Vicious started up this, this Sunday on on PBS but it are the rest of it already aired in the UK and you've seen the first season?
2: Yes, which is only six episodes, I believe.
0: What any what any any thoughts?
2: Yeah, this stars Ian McKellen and Derek Jacoby. I want to say that's how you pronounce his last name. So, uh, two very big Shakespearean actors, as, as well as uh, film and television from the UK. And it's. It is biting comedy. It's really just insults upon insults upon insults. Like, I, I want to say even more attacking than Veep is at its worst. I was so, going to say,
0: like, compared to In the Loop. Have you seen In the Loop?
2: Yeah, it's, it's of that quality, uh, of that style, I should say, rather. Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's just really great seeing those two actors do a multicam sitcom, which is such a, a weird thing for them to be a part of this, at this stage in their careers. Um, so that part of it, I think, is charming. It's not the greatest sitcom, but... Uh, in terms of things that we're getting from the U.K., we could have imported much worse. So this, I think, will have a big draw, obviously, because McKellen's huge here uh, and has been in big movies like like the X-Men series and or The Rings. So um, anybody who has any vague interest in seeing him act in a sitcom will probably really like this.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's move on to the Wilford premiere, Amends and Consequences, We had our first two episodes. And I was... Tepid, I think is probably the right response uh on these two episodes. You're a bigger fan of the series than I am though at this point. What did you think of these two?
2: uh like you said in the preview, very mythology based uh, I suspect that over the next few episodes we'll get more of the standalone ones that have more to do with you know the, the typical being a dog type thing and and playing off of that um Let me ask you, do you have any problems with the way that they use mystery in this series? Because I think what I've felt as I've watched this is that I don't, I'm not really bothered and I don't really care about getting the answers to these questions, even though that seems to be a big part of the story. And that doesn't ruin my enjoyment of it.
0: I would be very happy never hearing another word about where does Wilfred come from. I, I do not care. How he's talking to a dog that is his neighbor's as if he were a person ish um even a little bit, so yeah, the mystery elements on this show while they I think they can be fun and can are very useful for, for example, season finales and season premieres uh that that first to second season twist with the basement was ridiculous, and there have been some others really effective moments as well um but yeah. To, to see so much of these episodes structured and so heavily upon mythology was definitely a disappointment to me. But it also felt like a bit of a reaction to the the finale last season, which I was not a big fan of. Um, so when I watched this first episode, I was like, oh, they're just looking for a way to undo the finale. But then they redo it. So I don't know. What did you, What did you think about that?
2: I think I enjoyed that aspect just because of how much further. It drags Ryan down. Like the, the most impressive aspect of Wilford to me is how it's able to be as psychologically disturbing as something like Hannibal is just in a very different way. And to have Ryan go through such similar experiences twice. So repeat experiences. um, It's, it's kind of just sickening to watch sometimes in the most effective of ways. So that's that's a big reason that I like this series. I don't know if like's the right term, but it's a big reason that I'm impressed with it.
0: Fair enough. So it sounds like you're much more enthusiastic uh, <laughs> or about this season than I am, but that is fine. I will watch along, and we'll talk about it here on the podcast. Any other thoughts on Wilfred?
2: Uh, no, let's keep going.
0: Let's go on to Adventure Time, The Prince Who Wanted Everything, Lumpy Space Princess, How I Love Thee,
2: and this is where you're gonna to have to fill in some blanks for me because okay. I don't have as much experience.
0: Now are had had you heard of are we familiar with Fiona and Cake? Yes. Okay. So then that wasn't too you know, they didn't come out of nowhere for you.
2: Not out of nowhere, no.
0: Okay. So what do I need to fill in?
2: The the Lumpy Space Princess.
0: Okay. What what do you mean?
2: Uh just explain the genesis of this character.
0: Lumpy Space Princess is a character who appears in one of the first episodes of the show. And I, having seen, jumped in last year, you know, this season, you know, starting with season six and everything, I was not a fan of her at all. I thought she was completely stupid and not even a little funny. Then I went back and started watching the show because I wanted to to start it over and watched her first episodes. And I love her now. <laughs> She's like my favorite character. And what I would advise if, if you're not feeling the Lumpy Space Princess love uh, is go back and watch her, her episode where we meet her parents um, and get to know her because she's she's I, I can't even really put into words why she's so awesome because the, the way I would describe her would not change anything that you would think about her so I think you just kind of need to experience that first episode with her as they journey as as Finn and Jake journey into lumpy space uh because uh, of it, it's like jake is turning lumpy and she has to try to help them uh get the antidote so he won't turn full permanently lumpy but it's also prom uh prom coming or something so there's the prom coming dance uh so that derails things for a while it's a whole it's amazing, though. So, I'll
2: definitely get to that then. No, I enjoyed the episode. Absolutely. Uh, great moments, especially um, when they bring in the microphone at the end. And, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, so the Lumpy Space Prince is the first time we meet him, as far as I'm aware. Uh, but I, I really enjoy the way that Avenger Time has embraced fan fiction, especially with the Ice King. And um, so, having that element in there is, is extra fun. And I also appreciate the the way that it ends, just the very much, and now for something completely different, kind of, and scene. Yeah. Rabid raccoon, or rat, or whatever that was. End of episode. Uh, <laughs> it's it's always a fun time. So so for you, what wins the week in reality and in comedy?
2: Um, God, I don't know. Just so disparate. Uh, I guess maybe Wilfred, but I also was really impressed with a lot of the So You Think You Can Dance performances, so. Uh, I'll say Wilfred. And
0: I'm going to give it to Adventure Time, uh, though I look forward, because So You Think You Can Dance was too rushed for me to really enjoy it. But uh, I did, I gotta say, I gotta give a little love to Tara Lipinski. She was a good judge. Uh, She did a good job. And Mm. uh, yeah, I I really appreciate that they've been bringing in, uh, you know, these really respected hardcore uh, ballet dancers as well to be to be judges this season so that's that's really appreciated but yeah i gotta i still have to give it to adventure time because you know lsp she's the best um so now we'll take a break and come back with sean's network report card about the cw For Sean's network report card, and this this week we're looking at the CW, which only has a handful of shows that were new this past year. Of course, they have fewer hours of original programming to fill, uh, so they've you know less, fewer contenders. But before we get to the new shows, how are you feeling about the rest of the CW right now?
2: Uh, solid. You know, it's not a network that aspires too much, but you know some of the the long running shows. And I'm only just starting to get into Supernatural, but everything that I've seen of that has been good. Well, most things I have seen of that have been good. But, uh,
0: did you see the uh, racist monster ghost truck yet?
2: Yes, I did.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you were not kidding. I Man. was not kidding. Yes. Yeah, and uh, we, we talked about Arrow as well, and I think that that was, this most recent season was exemplary in terms of television that is fun and engaging. Uh, Vampire Diaries has been solid. Heart of Dixie has been solid. Probably both suffer a little bit from TV getting better in general. So now they've kind of not been cream of the crop. They're kind of just average, but, you know, that's fine.
0: Okay, and now how about the new shows?
2: New shows. CW premiered five new series this 2013-2014 season, and those were The Originals, The Tomorrow People, Rain, The 100, and Starcross. Uh, two of those have been canceled, so they are automatically failing, and those are Starcrossed and The Tomorrow People. And actually, I know you have other things to say but uh, by the time that Tomorrow People finished its first season it had gotten much better but I will admit that those first few episodes maybe like first 10 episodes were rough, very rough
0: When you have a season of 22 episodes 10 is not a few, 10 is half
2: Okay Half. They they did get Marcus Crassus from Spartacus though and that was awesome
0: Okay, yeah, he's amazing We (laughs) are agreed upon that but you know Ten? I can't. I can't give you that. I. I'm glad they got better though, and I know that there are fans out there who will miss it. Marvel's
2: Marvel's Agents of the Shield was kind of the same thing, though.
0: I, I didn't. Maybe it helps that I didn't have to review any episodes of Marvel's Agents of Shield, and I did. Uh, oh have yeah, to you had to review the Tomorrow some episodes. Of... Then you
2: would hate it. No, I completely understand. You don't have to say another word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, going off of that, like Rain, uh, absolutely passes with flying colors of the other three. But I imagine that's a series that if I had to review that, I would like it so much less than I do. Because yeah. um, the whole point of that is being able to watch it and not have to pay attention or think. I think that Rain is just one of the best examples of recent, just soapy, tune-off drama. Like, I actually enjoyed it more than this past season of Downton Abbey, uh, using a similar kind of show to compare it to. So.
0: You know I hate Downton Abbey, right? <laughs> there you go i didn't used to but now i do
2: (laughs) okay another soapy show i enjoyed the first season of rain more than this most recent season of the walking dead
0: okay you're not winning me over here you're not this is not the right this, this is not the right sales pitch but i i you know i think that's a good a really great point that you make about uh you're not supposed to linger and think about it it's more about the feeling in the moment and Capturing that that element of viewing and of enjoying television as well, uh, and so there are certain certain of these shows that as soon as you have to start thinking about what worked, why did I why did I have this reaction? It all comes apart, and so being a critic and not being able to shut off that part of your brain when you're watching can really be uh, a detriment to your to one's ability to enjoy some of these shows, and certainly if you have to actually like write it out. That mm. that makes a big difference,
2: but yeah, now I'm looking forward to continuing with rain in that capacity and never having to write about it critically. Um, <laughs> the other two shows were very much bubble. I feel like I gotta drop one of them because I can't really warrant two full seasons of uh the originals and the one hundred, and I think I might give the slight edge to the one hundred, which got much better as that first season went along. It also benefited from being shorter, so. You know, the 22 episodes of the originals versus the 13 of the 100, there were definitely more duds in the first season of the originals.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I tuned out of the originals pretty quickly. I have difficulties with some of the central casting and and r- structure and writing decisions of the show. And I, mo- I mean, I- I'm sure that people a lot of people really love that Klaus central figure. And for me, that was a terrible idea to make the show about him in, in, in the pilot. It seems like the shows act. Oh, it's actually going to be very much about Elijah. And then that quickly changes. And it really is the Klaus show. And I have, I have no interest in a Klaus show. And so that's why I tuned out and haven't tuned back in for the originals. Um, Now, have they gotten better at their use of new Orleans? Have they gotten better with some of these other elements or is everybody still like 15?
2: Um, They've certainly gotten better about balancing storylines between characters. And so it didn't always necessarily feel like Klaus was the central figure of an episode, although he's certainly a strong presence and I, definitely enjoy the actor's portrayal of the character uh he's very good at that specifically but as as good as they did about that kind of balance the the stories themselves weren't really that compelling enough you know you get Mm -hmm. maybe one out of every like six that was like yeah that was actually pretty good and then it kind of just trails off for a while and um you know the first season of the vampire diaries wasn't that great either so Maybe this will get better but I probably won't be sticking with it
0: okay and the 100 I know you're not the only one i, I want to say mo Ryan uh, is a bit of a, a cheerleader for the series as well um and yeah I've heard from several places that it actually did improve quite a bit what in what what ways has it improved because I've seen the first episode or maybe two of the 100 uh, but I haven't checked back in so what's what's new
2: um certainly the performances don't really pick up too much. But what did really work was its treatment of themes. Um, and so after the first few episodes, when they really start to dig into the purposes of these groups of characters and what it means to be isolated in these kinds of situations and the, the kind of inner stuff that that brings out of human beings, um, it worked very much, I think, in, in a Lord of the Flies kind of way.
0: Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, shall we rank the networks again?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm still going to say Fox is winning, then the CW, and then I don't know what I, I think. I had ABC last, so I'm going to keep ABC down there and say CBS. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. So then next week we'll wrap it all up with uh, the network report card on NBC. But until then, let's take a break and come back with our week in genre and drama. and drama we're going to take a quick look at some pilots for taxi brooklyn and reckless then sean watched another episode of true blood i found you and we both watched a little more dominion godspeed there's a penny dreadful finale gran Guignol, guignol i don't know how to
2: pronounce it yeah something like that
0: guys i'm sorry I'm not very cultured. And then we have uh, the second episode of Rectify, Sleeping Giants, and the pilot of The Leftovers. So first, let's talk a little bit about Taxi Brooklyn on NBC and Reckless on CBS. We're just going to kind of throw these two together here. Uh, Of the two new pilots, I got to definitely, this is not even close I'm giving it to Taxi Brooklyn.
2: I 100% agree, and yet I would also say... It's not that I great. <laughs> I don't need either. Why do either of these shows exist right now?
0: You know what? I don't know, but uh, I do know that Kyler Lee, Ch- Kyler Lee, right, is surprisingly fun. In, in Taxi Brooklyn, is, it's surprisingly fun. When it goes for something other than fun, I think it kind of falls apart. But mm-hmm. it's. I was very impressed with how unpainful it was to watch. I was not looking forward to having... Some uh, burn off she- series that I needed to watch the pilots of this week, and I found myself having a pleasant laundry folding experience <laughs> with with Taxi Brooklyn.
2: I trust you, I don't trust you, I still don't trust you, but I'm gonna take the handcuffs off anyway.
0: Pretty much, whereas Reckless was just kind of terrible, yeah. As- I think the most painful part was when they were trying to be sexy and just yeah. really it really wasn't, and then they're then the then there's the moments where they are trying to be titillating and it's just sort of offensive and and certainly not sexy uh yeah this is this is not a good show
2: nope they were reckless to have put it on the air
0: oh i can't top that so let's move on to true blood we're not even no plot synopsis nothing just just don't watch reckless it's on cbs just (laughs) skip Let's move on to True Blood. I found you. So uh, where are you at on the spectrum of of True Blood craziness? Are we glad that you're watching? Or is this a... uh, Are you ready to give up yet?
2: I mean, I'll stick with it till the end, just out of being a completionist. But man, this is... It's just dumb. But there were two good Jason Stackhouse moments in the episode, and you can always count on some of those for a season. Uh, One of them was a recent or a nearby town was pretty much destroyed by vampires and these are the
0: zombie vampires
2: yeah yeah and there was just nobody there and they wanted to figure out well how long has it been since the attack and and jason just ate a piece of pizza that was on somebody's uh table it was like two and a half days i mean he knew it immediately so good on Jason stackhouse for being able to tell time based on how cold a pizza is based on how cold it is or how it tastes.
0: Yeah, there, you know, Ryan Quantin really, it's astonishing how good he is. It's easy to underappreciate him, his performance in that role because dumb is it's something that is easy to get wrong. And uh, the, there is an honesty and an openness uh, and just a straightforwardness to that Jason Stackhouse character that just makes moments like that really sing. And that's down to Ryan Quantin's performance.
2: And... Uh, viewers were treated to a Ryan Quanson, Alexander Skarsgård uh, fantasy sex scene to open up the episode, so hooray for that.
0: I know there are many people who will be very happy. <laughs>
2: that's that's all I'll say, because the rest of it is just garbage.
0: <laughs> yeah, really, is there another show on TV that is squandering as as deep a cast as this one is?
2: You know, for a while there, I was comparing it to Sons of Anarchy, but even now, there are things that Sons of Anarchy still does well, despite it not being anywhere near as it good as it was in its first couple seasons, so I feel like that's unfair for Sons of Anarchy to make that comparison, because this is much worse in terms of that squandering.
0: Yeah, it's really rather remarkable, but the show will be done soon, and hopefully fans of the show that are still sticking through will be happy with how it ends, and then... All of those very talented people can go do other things. Um, But let's go do other things, and let's go talk about Dominion, Episode 2, Godspeed. And I did not watch this under the most ideal viewing circumstances, so there may be a few things that I missed. I was in a car. I was driving to a thing. Uh, I wasn't driving, of
2: course. I was about to say. You were driving and watching. That's impressive, and also dangerous.
0: It's super dangerous. No, I was passengering uh to wisconsin so so i may have missed a couple things but on the whole i'm pretty similar i'm pretty much in the same spot with this one as i was with episode one it didn't convince me strongly either way i'm still kind of on the fence
2: i am as well i kind of just wanted us to pick one of these and stick with it just as an experiment Uh, D world i think is still something that's or at least the main thing that's drawing me in. I, I kind of wish though that they would go outside of Vega and there would be, like, more scenes um, in the more dangerous settings, I guess.
0: Well, and maybe that's what we'll get with the way it ends. I did not expect that the way that ended. Um, I really hope the show doesn't undo it immediately.
2: That would certainly open up many doors for new and interesting things. And then we got, what, the meeting with the two angels, which mm-hmm. was, I guess, inter- aren't they, like, supposed to be trying to kill each other?
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. And I like, uh, you know, what, one of the things this episode does, and it's not subtle about it, but one of the things that it does that I appreciate is it sets up a central theme uh, to explore, which is very much one of fathers and sons and abandonment. And so, to I mean, it's it's a story we've heard of angels before, uh, on shows like supernatural and and others uh exploring that notion of God as the Father and angels as the son and you know choosing the other sons of the humans and everything but to to turn it into daddy issues uh that, that we were talking about lost earlier <laughs> and that certainly worked out very well for lost but um to to have a certain number of themes that it's interested in exploring is a good thing as far as I'm concerned, so that's what I took out of that two angels meeting scene
2: that is more than I took out of it so, so we're seeing things here maybe you know at the very least this looks uh, better and seems like a better overall production than a lot of the newer sci-fi stuff so if you compare stuff something like this to I don't know Helix like this is definitely a, a better investment so I, I'm still looking forward to sticking with this season and talking about it just to see where it goes yeah,
0: and I mean just the visual of the eight balls is a really effective one. It's it's that's I feel like that's the only reason that they made this, uh, you know, connected to Legion at all so that they could have the eight balls. Cuz when you see them creeping over the the houses or whatever, that's that's creepy.
2: It really is. And and even like in broad daylight it still is somehow. It's the movement, mm-hmm. the shooting of it. So yeah, the special effects I think are, are definitely one of the bigger draws.
0: Yeah, if that's even special effects, that might just be, you know, contortionists, people who are good at doing stuff like that. But but yeah, I can stick with this for a couple more weeks and see where it's at. The show we won't need to stick with for a couple more weeks is Penny Dreadful, which just had its finale, grand name of a theater. Uh so what did you think of of this episode and the way it tied the season or didn't maybe together?
2: Um The same thing I think that we've been saying about the series for the past few weeks, which is basically some things done right, some things not done as well as they should be. Um, I thought that the central action sequence and the showdown with Mina and then um, Malcolm's proclamation that Vanessa really is what he considers his daughter. I thought all of that worked in a very filmic way, maybe not in a believable way as in like – I don't necessarily think that they've done enough work there to convince us that he really thinks that now because just very recently he was absolutely willing to throw her under the bus so but in terms of like that being an action set piece i enjoyed it
0: yeah there's a lot here basically this finale felt like it made me think that Penny Dreadful should have been a mini-series. And when I say a mini-series, this is only a series with eight episodes, and yet I still feel like maybe this could have been turned into a much more effective three or four episode season one. You could have cut out a lot. You could have cut out Caliban completely. You could have cut then cut out Brona. You could have cut out... There's. You know, these long episodes uh, with everything with Vanessa and uh, Dorian I didn't need. I I do think there's an intriguing story at the heart of it, but it felt like they just kept going down these different digressions and none of them wound up being worth it for me. Um, I don't know. I'm sure many. I know a lot of people liked Caliban a lot more than I did. But but that that was sort of my takeaway with it. I absolutely agree with you, by the way, that the the turn for for him is not for the Timothy Dalton character is not earned at all.
2: Yeah, which is kind of a problem. If again, like we were saying with with rain or something, if you sit and think about it, it falls apart, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, I did like that Ethan. The the whole reason for the Bruno story basically was to be the thing that just makes him finally snap, and the the new stuff that we got of him as a werewolf.
0: um, Well, Wolfman.
2: Wolfman, yeah. Slightly different. Yes. Excuse me. (laughs) Well, you know, don't send me hate mail. (laughs) Hey,
0: Teen Wolf came back this week, so I know you know there's a distinction there between Wolfman and and werewolf, but uh, we'll continue on.
2: (laughs) That was fun. I thought.
0: Um yeah I agree and um I mean I don't I didn't see you know like they if they wanted me to have read that much into why he turns at the end there they needed to do more work because this cuz it seemed like they were telegraphing oh I bet he's the wolfman um for a while so ever since that scene with the wolf but then he's we never see him turning into a wolf man, and then at the end, it he does. But then they show us that he's—it's a full moon, and also these guys are trying to take him away. So was it that he was defending himself, or that he just snapped? I mean, it didn't, and it doesn't feel like the show is being nuanced about it. It feels like the show doesn't quite know, and that's that. I, mean, I don't know. That's that's what I take away from it. But what I will say is that scene was fun. And, uh, Josh Hartnett has been fun these last couple of weeks. And I did not expect to say that when the show started. Um, and, and of course the, the big discovery for me is, and I don't have his name in front of me, the actor playing Victor, who was, was, I think pretty great throughout, even when I didn't always like the material he was given.
2: Yeah. Like you mentioned, the Caliban stuff didn't really work. And I agree. And yet how he bounced off of that in this episode, which was, you know, making the decision to, to kill Brona. And then also, making the decision to not shoot Caliban because of what he's saying like he he did a fine job acting in those scenes so he has been somewhat of a revelation I think
0: yeah any final thoughts on Penny Dreadful?
2: um I'll I'll definitely you know if it's around this time where there's not too many things going on I'll, I'll definitely stick around for the, the second season and it has been renewed so I'd be very happy to watch some more
0: Okay. Let's move on to Rectify Episode 2, Sleeping Giants. And last week we talked about Kerwin. Uh, this this week we spend time with the, the devil on the other shoulder. Uh, and uh, it's kind of hard to watch.
2: It is very difficult to watch. Um, and yet, I don't know. He doesn't really give those scenes the same kind of Energy that Kerwin did. I don't know how to word this right. I just feel like now the the flashback scenes on death row seem like they're not as useful for the episode overall, and, and like they kind of bounce off of what else is going on in this episode. And also, I think with um, the the inmate that John goes to visit, who is also on on a death row, and maybe there's connections there that they were going for but I was much more interested in what was having happening in the present day narrative I think in this episode.
0: Oh, see that's that's interesting. I didn't take either this week or last week to be flashbacks. I took it to be constructions of of Daniel's mind.
2: All of those scenes.
0: All of them. Yeah.
2: I mean like the the ones with Kerwin, yeah, those were absolutely constructions. I mean the the ones so even like him uh, being taken out of the cell because he's basically gone crazy and then incorporated back into that. You took that to be a construction? Yeah. Okay.
0: I and don't know if it is, but <laughs> it didn't occur to me that it would be anything other.
2: You like, might be right. I mean, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what's great about Rectify. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, yeah, no, certainly. So I'll I'll pay more attention to that now. I only saw this episode once, and I'm going to see it again, so um, I'll be on the lookout for that.
0: I don't know. Well, because to me, then it was a statement very much about Daniel and whether he can allow himself to be at peace, even when he's in a coma and uh, these other elements, you know, fighting within himself. And of course, then within along with that, there's that consistent tension of we don't know what he did, if he did anything or if he did something or if he did everything uh, that they that the you know the prosecution said he did when he went to jail so um yeah that's sort of where i was at with it um of course i also watched them back to back episode one and episode two so seeing them as you know the devil and the angel on the shoulders was very much um it was easy to make that correlation
2: yeah that makes sense yeah
0: yeah. As for the present day, though, uh, I again, I I enjoyed what we get. i was surprised to enjoy what we get with Teddy Jr.
2: Yeah. I mean, just to kind of reiterate, he's the worst. He is the worst. And yet he he's surprisingly introspective. So he could very well be a character who has an initial reaction to it and, you know, acts on that without thinking. And yet I think what we see in this episode is him kind of internalizing information like Tawny having feelings or having had feelings um, for Daniel and then just kind of thinking about that for a while rather than, you know, having an outburst or something.
0: I think it's also something that these two episodes, the first and second episode really underlined that I think is significant is that it's only been a week. I did not realize it had only been a week in season one when I was watching it uh, because the show is so patient. And because, you know, we thought about it for most of the last year after it aired, as well as just, uh, the, you know, it airing, you know, once one episode a week. And so of course he would still be hostile <laughs> about Daniel, Um, and, and even really, it's just a very quick turnaround from Tawny too, to have all of that have taken place over the course of a week. But I really appreciate once again, the depictions of Tawny and her faith and her confusion, uh, at that, trying to understand every, you know, her, the, the, like sort of the journey she went on emotionally with, with Daniel in season one, trying to, to process that here. Um, I really appreciate the respect given that storyline.
2: Certainly. Uh, highlight of the episode for me, and probably for all of television during the week, was seeing Daniel wake up and, then, you know, telling his mother, well, I, I could do it all over again, and then he pretends to do it. Just... <laughs> Aiden Young is so good in that role, and that was such a, a lovely scene. A very triumphant one as well, since they, they catch the perpetrator and put him behind bars.
0: Yeah, and again, I was... Like I said last week, I was very surprised to find myself caring about that. In season one, I didn't.
2: Yeah. they've. It's mostly working right now, I think, because Sheriff Daggett is proving himself to be another nuanced character in an archetype that we wouldn't expect it to happen. So I think that's why I'm enjoying that part of it.
0: Yeah. Any other thoughts on Rectify episode two?
2: Uh, No. I mean, this one was a little more uneventful but still of the same quality as All Rectify so huzzah
0: (laughs) huzzah indeed and let's move on then to our final show of the week and that's the Leftovers pilot there's been a lot of buzz about this one I've seen now when we last recorded I hadn't seen any but I've now seen the first three and I will keep this conversation spoiler free obviously beyond the pilot which we're assuming you've seen but uh, what did you think Sean did it live up to all of this hype
2: It didn't, and that's why I'm interested to talk about it to get your take on that. Um, The okay, so the many questions that you have initially, like in the first 20 minutes, and most of those get addressed by the time that the pilot is done, so you kind of know uh, which characters are related to who and how everything is kind of functioning in this series that takes three years after, takes place three years after there's been a, a massive unexplainable disappearance of people um and yet once all of those questions were kind of addressed to some extent i I didn't feel drawn into the story as much as i thought i should have been the the performances are good but it seemed like whatever they were going for with um the impact of the story and then kind of like pushing too much with the, the scoring during some of those scenes i think kind of turned me off a little bit i don't know what was your reaction to that
0: well, I because I watched the pilot and and had a very positive but not brain splody reaction. I liked it. I thought it was good. And of course, we watch again. We watched a lot of pilots here. We watched three pilots this week. This is a good pilot. Uh, it really clearly establishes the world. You get to know all the characters. they're you know, you get a sense of the tone of the show. Uh, so this, this is a, this is a good pilot, but it's not a pilot that makes me anxious to watch the next one right away. And so then I watched the next two episodes, and I, I think this is a I think this is a situation similar to when Girls started, and critics had seen the first four, and everybody else obviously just watched one and said, "What you What are you guys talking about?" And then over the course of the first several episodes. The whole, everything came together. You got a better, you had a really great sense of the care of the different characters. And by the time you got to episode four, a lot of people loved the show, but because the critics had seen four episodes uh, and then were basing the reviews off of that experience and everybody else then took a month to catch up to that. There was some somewhat of a backlash. So what I would say is that the second and third episode make me more interested in the show and the world than the first episode does. So I think it continues to improve and flesh out the world and flesh out the characters. The third episode is told almost exclusively from the point of view of Christopher Eccleston's preacher character. And if they, if that, I don't know if that's something they're going to do very frequently, but I think there's a lot of different cast members that could certainly, certainly uh, pull that off. Amongst this cast, and if they were to take us you know, with the Damon Lindelof connection, if they were to take somewhat of a lost approach, and really focus in on some of these different characters in each of the given episodes, that could really help connect us to the world and to the specific characters. But I, I like the second episode. I really like the third episode.
2: Okay, good. That that makes me feel better because, yeah, um, that the idea of having the different perspectives I think really works and yeah like like you said if you compare this to something like reckless or, or taxi of brooklyn there's just no comparison like this is an hbo production it's still a fine pilot um i guess the hype kind of created some amount of expectations and for the reasons that you've mentioned those should be tempered probably yeah. um so I'll, I'll definitely be watching this whole season and hopefully we'll be talking about how it
0: improves well and i do want to you know episode two is still very much it's very similar to the first episode with it's being very focused on that sheriff character but then also featuring other characters as well um I, i i enjoy the different dynamics character dynamics i like that our central family is not one where a family member of the of that nuclear family disappeared or was a departure or however we're going to phrase it, but but then was just as destroyed as several of these others. And um, yes, again, because this is set in this sort of small town for the most part, if they are focused in on the community and the different connections, and sometimes surprising connections between some of the varying supporting players i think that will really help but i have no idea if they're going to do that <laughs> so i have episode five but i don't want to watch it because i want to wait till i see episode four so uh, i might i may have more thoughts in a couple more weeks but um for now i think people should stick with it
2: good i i certainly will
0: well what wins your week in genre and drama then sir uh, it it's reckless isn't it
2: it's a hundred percent reckless like why wouldn't it be obviously it's also- it's also Betrayal, because I watched that again, and that was awesome.
0: <laughs> why did you? Why?
2: I didn't watch it again. Good God, no.
0: Well, I don't know. I can't. I don't. How do I know? You're still watching True <laughs> Blood.
2: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you would not be able to tell when I'm being sarcastic or not. Uh, yeah. Rectify. Rectify, rectify, rectify.
0: Yeah, and I'll give it to Rectify as well. It was not always pleasant to watch, but it was definitely affecting... And uh, that wraps up our our week in TV. A few show notes. You you can find a post up for this episode at soundonsite.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV and Rectify and Leftovers and all these other fun shows. Oh, Oh, so uplifting here. Uh, in the drama section. You can also email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook to follow The Goings on and Sound of TV and The Televerse. You can leave us a rating or review on iTunes. We would very much appreciate it. It uh, does help other people find the show. And if, by the way, if you leave us a, a review or a rating in another country's Apple store or iTunes store, please let us know because they don't tell us. So you know like every now and again i'll I'll randomly click on a different country and be like oh we have a review from portugal awesome um so if you do leave us a rating or review in another country please you know shoot us an email to televerse at com so that uh we can you know find out about it um what else of course you can uh of course you can find us on twitter i'm at the televerse and you are
2: at sean coletti
0: and sean what is uh we, where else can listeners find you
2: uh, written reviews at sound site or tvovermind.com
0: and you can find written reviews from me at sound at Sight as well as over at the AV club where I'm currently th- th- though taking this week off I was told to take this week off this is awesome I you know I was expecting to work the holiday but uh, but next week you can find a new black Adder review from me up um, as well as I'll be reviewing Spartacus. But, Sean, what is our question of the week?
2: Uh, Well, now that we've finished Penny Dreadful, what is everybody's favorite maybe story or character from that time period, whether that's late Romantic or Gothic literature or Victorian? You know, Jekyll and Hyde wasn't in this, but that would be another one that you could throw in there. Obviously, Dracula, the ones that we see in Penny Dreadful. There's probably a couple I'm forgetting, but uh, yeah.
0: Okay, confession time. I've read none of them.
2: Well, you can also, if you've not read them, then you can also include adaptations that you've seen, or portrayals, or just a specific character, or character, or theme, or something.
0: How about the portrayal of, of Dracula on Buffy, season 5, episode 1, Buffy vs. Dracula?
2: That's, I don't think that's fair, because you're such a Buffy fan. That's, that's cheating.
0: But, but, but it was great, and it was, you know, come on, spider-eating man-bitch. it, was, <sighs> it was, It's good stuff. Okay, fine, um... Yeah, I guess I just I really I don't feel I like I'm qualified to to give an answer here. How about what about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the comic, not that the movie. How about that? That
2: that totally counts. I think that qualifies.
0: Okay, I've read like one of them, but it was pretty cool. Uh, Sean, how about you?
2: Um, I would probably say that Dracula is a better novel than Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and yet I have fonder memories of Frankenstein, and also. Percy Shelley is one of my favorite poets. So I'm going to give it to Frankenstein.
0: Fair enough. Well, let us know your pick. Uh, But for now, we're going to take a break, listen to a little music, and come back with David Bax of Battleship Retention and Hey, Watch This with Paul and David to talk about Les Revenants Season 1 as well as zombies on television. So we'll be right back after this. the Televerse. This is Kate Kulzik, joined as ever by Sean Colletti. And this week at the DVD shelf, we are... Well, it's not really a DVD shelf. It's sort of inspired by the chat we had last year with Mo Ryan about some of the different shows. We're going to talk a little bit about Les Revenants* Season 1, which is, of course, coming back for Season 2 at some point. So it's a bit of a season spotlight. But we're also going to talk a little bit about In the Flesh and uh, some of the other zombie series on, on television, really representations of you know the undead and zombies on tv what are television zombies what does it say about television horror and uh you know whatever else kind of comes together with that and joining us for this conversation is david Bax from battleship Retention. david welcome back
1: thank you for having me
0: so this is i hope i uh i did not misstate this is going to be a sort of a free ranging conversation
1: that sounds fantastic (laughs) that's how most of my conversations go
2: at some point i'm gonna die and i'll be gone for a little while but i'll come back (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> but how will you come back? That is the question. And let's kick things off with Le Revenant. Uh, David, this was a show that came up in when we were discussing what you wanted to talk about. What is it about Le Revenant that has stuck with you at this point?
1: Well, it's it's my show this this year. It's my show that I've chosen to be like evangelical about. Um, and uh, I think people are catching on. It seems like a show that it aired here on. Uh, sundance i think Mm -hmm. um and uh i watched that's how i watched it and i loved it then and i feel i get the impression that once it showed up on netflix people started watching it more i feel like it's a show that's gotten talked about more since the series the season ended uh but knowing that there apparently is another season uh coming and there's this remake coming uh And, of course, the first series is available on a very handsome uh, DVD or Blu-ray set from Music Box Box Films. I wanted to, uh, you know, uh, shine a light on it and make sure anyone who hasn't caught onto the bandwagon and watched it on Netflix uh, or bought the the set uh, knows that uh, it is worth doing so.
0: Dude, just get it out of the way because, of course, Resurrection on ABC – was a big hit for them this year, comparatively speaking at least, and could be confused with Les Revenants. Les Revenants is based on a 2004 film called They Came Back, which has a very similar plot to the basic plot of uh, The Returned, which was a book from 2013, I want to say, of which uh-huh. Resurrection, the American TV show, is a remake. So even though Les Revenant is French for The Returned, and on Sundance and in translation, the title of Le Revenant is The Returned, it's not actually based on the book The Returned upon which Resurrection is based. It's based on something else, and this is all very confusing.
1: Right, and it will be further confusing when, once the A&E, uh, English language adaptation of Le Revenant uh premieres
0: which i'm hearing might be titled the return but also might be titled they came back i really hope they go with they came back <laughs> <laughs> but why what is it about the show that has made you so evangelical david
1: uh i uh, one of one of the things when i talk about tv when i'm given the chance to talk about tv one of the things that i often say because i watch probably more TV than I do movies these days, but I still consider myself more of a movie guy first. Uh, and part of the thing about TV, especially TV drama, is that there is not, there does not seem to be a lot of room or, or, or tolerance for uh, formal innovation or experimentation. Um, there, there are a lot of uh, conventions and formulas that are followed even in the best TV, especially dramatic TV. Now, with comedy... You're allowed to be you can have you know, you've got your Louis and your uh Tim and Eric's and and your children's hospitals and all that stuff that um really mess around with the form.
0: Adventure time.
1: Uh Adventure Time, yes. I was actually I was literally just reading Adventure Time comic books while I was waiting for you to Skype me. Um <laughs> and I spent last night and this morning playing Adventure Time Monopoly with my fiance's nine year old nephew. Uh that was a blast. But anyway, um but now I feel like that's changing there are shows now like Hannibal which is uh my my favorite show currently um that are uh breaking from from formula and so what i liked about the returned is that it has a sort of it has a very high concept premise you think okay this is like the walking dead or whatever it's about zombies or it's about the dead coming back and uh uses it to tell a story that uh meanders that is much much more about mood and uh atmosphere than it is about narrative and uh really it really affected me emotionally on a level that I um don't think a lot of dramatic television does not that the other you know shows that are great like the good wife or whatever are lesser it's just it's a different kind of emotional response that I don't often have to television series and uh the return seems kind of singular and hopefully will be uh hopefully the returned and Hannibal and more uh you know, experimental formerly experimental shows like that will uh uh lead the way for more of that kind
2: of television
1: storytelling.
0: Sean, what is your uh take on the returned? Les Venal?
2: My reactions I think are very similar to David's because what he's been talking about, the tone. The, the different kind of emotional reaction, um, those are things that I've gravitated to as well. I worry sometimes maybe that um, that I put traditional forms of storytelling and innovative ones in opposition and, and hold the innovative ones up higher. So maybe, like, like David was saying, The Good Wife, or in my case, Mad Men, um, is something like Hannibal or The Returned or Rectify, which you've mentioned, or even Top of the Lake. I think Sundance has had a really good track record up until The Red Road, unfortunately. Um, But doing these shows that have that kind of... um, or that elicit that kind of reaction, rather, that... Are they better, or are they things that... Do they contain things that I prefer? I'm not quite sure. But at the very least, they get me thinking a lot more than the average shows do. And certainly The Return did as well. I suspect that my... Overall reaction, if we're looking at it um, in terms of quality, I suspect that I like it a little bit less than than David. I, I wouldn't be evangelical about it, um, although I am a big proponent of doing that for certain shows that you love, um, and I and I've done that for Banshee this past year. But uh, it's it's a very strong series, I think, and it's doing really interesting things. Um, and we can talk a little bit about how I. I believe maybe in in the second half of its first season, it kind of lost its way a little bit. But uh, that's my those are my initial thoughts.
0: And I'm right there with both of you guys when we talk about uh, mood or tone and how the the pacing and the visual, uh, just the aesthetic of Les Revenants separates it. Uh, out from just dramas or television in general, other television, I should say. Uh, And very specifically, if you want to look at horror genre, uh, the the genre of horror television and uh, the other TV shows that we're going to discuss in a little bit, I really attached to a few of the characters and became very um, interested in, in what was happening with them. But sort of like Sean, for me, I actually wound up disengaging very significantly from the show by the end. Obviously it's still very well made and has interesting characters and some, some really great performances. I mean, come on, Victor, right? Uh Creepy. Um, And I can't (laughs) believe nobody had done that twin thing earlier, which is as specific as I'll get because it's an amazing moment in the pilot. I I don't want to give away, but, um, Uh, but, but, as soon as the show became more about, or it seemed to me to become more about the zombie apocalypse or the larger world, what was happening, what was the larger effect of the fact that these people had come back to life, and was less focused on the specifics of each family and the dynamics and trying to process what this would be like, I very strongly from from the show. I don't care that the lake flooded or or didn't flood, or I don't know exactly what happened in that, those last moments, but I know that I don't really care because I, I don't want to see the end days, the apocalypse, post-apocalypse of this show. I want to see the tiny moments between characters. Um, so, David, pretty much everybody, uh, the internet, and certainly most of the critics on it, are way more with you about the show than I am. What am I missing?
1: Uh... Well, I want I want I want to put a pin in that for a second, and I want to talk about something else before we get away from how this show is different from other shows. Um, uh, you mentioned the look of it, and I wanted to talk about something else that Hannibal does. But I think that probably it was HBO that raised the bar. We now expect TV shows, or at least those of us who you know um, watch a lot of TV, have a higher expectation of how TV shows look. It used to be okay for shows to look cheaper than movies Mm -hmm. um because they are and uh the revenant is beautiful um to look at uh which is i will once again use this uh bully pulpit to complain that Directv does not carry sundance channel in hd because the first time i watched this i watched it on sundance and um could tell that it was pretty but it was all uh gross and dirty looking because it was in (laughs) sd um Uh, And then the folks at Music Box Films were nice enough to send me the DVD set. Um, It's available on Blu-ray too, but they sent me the DVD, which is technically also SD, but not the way that SD looks over uh, to DirecTV. And uh, it's definitely worth a purchase and worth the Blu-ray if you uh, have a Blu-ray player because it's beautiful. Uh, to look at, okay. and
0: uh, also Comcast or Xfinity or whatever it's calling itself now, the cable company that has a monopoly in my area, uh, uh-huh. also does not have HD Sundance channels. So I watched this, I watched um, the the wonderful uh, Gene Campion, uh, Top of the Lake. I watched all these other very beautiful shows in in a very muddy standard def last year, and I was very disappointed in in Comcast for not having that option.
2: And I will brag yeah. that I watched it all in HD. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on on Sundance or uh, on
2: Sundance, yeah.
0: What? Uh, who
1: is your provider?
2: Uh, my provider is Time Warner.
1: Oh, they finally do something right.
0: Who's your dealer? <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but
0: uh, okay, but David, so what are you missing? Yeah.
1: Um, I I think uh, I now I'm not going to tell you what you're missing. That would be uh, mean of me to put it that way. But I think. Uh, it goes back to what I was talking about in the beginning that this is a high concept premise, and but it isn't. It isn't about what's actually happening. So I think um, the idea that people, you know, uh, separating or forming these camps and uh, this apocalyptic feeling, this growing impending doom, is uh, supposed to be uh, internalized. And so I think people who maybe are disappointed by the end. I think it's the same argument I have with the, all the people who don't like the way Lost ended. Is that I think maybe you're being a little more literal-minded, or a little more, you know, than, than the show was actually asking you to be. So that that's uh that would be my theory as to why some people don't like the way it ended. I you know we talked about this on my show. Hey, watch this, and Paul uh, did not like the show nearly as much as I did, and a big part of it was he didn't like the way it ended. Uh, so I've had this conversation before.
0: Well, it's interesting because, of course, I love the ending of Lost. And I'm absolutely right there with you. That's a show that, from its opening moments, was all about character. And this show, Le Revenant Season 1, feels to be very much about character in its in its opening. But I feel like it... I guess that's the difference. For me, it, it loses sight of that. And it starts caring way more about, you know... It, it starts presenting all of these things as mysteries that we're supposed to invest in. Like, if we're not supposed to care what's up with the one character's back... And her scars. Then why do they keep showing them to us and not and refusing to tell us what what the deal is?
1: Because it's a it's a um it's a manifestation of uh, past sins, her father's sins that, that that have tried to be buried. Just like the old town that was uh, drowned when the uh you know flooded when the uh, old dam broke is coming back as the water recedes. Just the way that um her uh Lena, I think is her name the scar on her, on her back is uh showing up and she's rotting and stuff because the stuff that 's in the past that uh, the, all these people think they've moved on from uh they haven't so yeah that uh that wound or whatever it is on her back uh and that um Simon has on his uh abdomen um those are all just metaphors, but it's also pretty awesome when Simon eats that piece of skin
0: oh God, that was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and maybe that, for me, was the moment that took it to... I mean, it was, and it was shot really well, and like that was a, a very effective moment. But it that may have been the moment that took it to this other place where now I'm less engaged, and I can't help but think, okay, if you're going to keep showing us that, you know, kind of oozing, reopening wound on her back, but never have her be like, hey, maybe I should get this checked out, I, that's where I think where I, I'm unable to... If she didn't, if she got it checked out, and then and they said, "Oh, that's weird," keep an eye on it. I would be completely fine. <laughs> but because it's she not, does, this is something you know,
1: that Tyler and I just talked about on Battleship Retention. That I, the idea that I personally am much more, I'm very much forgiving of characters or plots happening in an unnaturalistic or unrealistic way, if the uh, central metaphor or analogy holds. Uh, so that's just that's just me though.
0: That's interesting. Maybe that's
1: why I like the show so much.
0: What do you think, Sean?
2: Uh, I think that The Returns handled all of its metaphors incredibly well and portrayed them visually in a a really strikingly beautiful way. And yet um, I'm in alignment with Kate, I think. And that has to do for me with maybe, and this is probably a a, a fault on my part, that The Return presented itself as one thing to me at the beginning in its first couple episodes and then clearly as it was going along and the mythology of the whole thing and those manifestations and those representations began to take over um, it it was clear that the the bigger story was trying to do something else than what I had originally thought and rather than kind of getting on board with that I I was frustrated that it wasn't handling characters with the same kind of delicate tenderness that it was earlier in the season and so i ended up not liking it as much as i thought i would because of that
0: i want to expand out a little bit because what i think is interesting and again everybody all of our listeners should be drunk on the uh television drinking game of drink when when kate says interesting um but uh (laughs) But yes, uh, what I do think is interesting is comparing season one of Les Revenants with the first and second season of In the Flesh, which just wound up uh, its run over on BBC America recently, because that, for me, what I was looking for in Les Revenants, I found uh, very much in In the Flesh, in a show about characters returning from the dead, but that... uh, didn't that that let them speak and let them be characters and explored sociological issues or character based issues um instead of doing what we expect T V zombies to kind of do. And I know David you haven't had the chance to, to catch up with in the flesh uh beyond just you know Yeah,
1: I've seen I did the thing uh, something I, I know a lot of people like the way they watch T V now is to view it as a whole thing and start from the beginning. Um I don't necessarily do that and I have a tendency if I hear some good things about a show I will drop in on whatever episode is coming up, and if I like it, I will add it to the list to go back. So I watched the first, I guess. So the fr- it was a mini series, and then th- this recent one is the second se- season. I'm not sure how it works. The first whatever, season the is fir-
0: three episodes. The second season is six.
1: Okay, so the first episode of this second uh, batch, I I watched of In the Flesh, and I um. I thought it was really fantastic, so it is on the list.
0: Well, and again, and then a big hole for me actually is is Dead Set, um, and I'm curious what the, what the representation of zombies is on that because you know obviously at Sound Sight I also have a weekly Walking Dead podcast that I do, which is a completely different. You know that's the much more traditional take on zombies, but for me the way the much more interesting look is let's ex- let's use zombies to explore death and let's actually let the the characters who are returned from the dead actually speak. Um, that's way more interesting to me than anything going on at The Walking Dead, and I, I doubt I'm alone on that.
1: And I'll I I'll, I've, I haven't watched a single episode of The Walking Dead, but um, Dead said I will chime in with that. It's not. Um... It is not crucial to see Dead Set. It's uh, uh I guess it's kind of an interesting premise that it it's the cast of Big Brother uh hiding out in the Big Brother house while the zombie apocalypse has happened, but it's really just an excuse for um some really graphically gory things to happen. Uh I I didn't uh I didn't really enjoy Dead Set.
0: I'm a big fan of uh, Chris Morris, so I'm sure at some point we'll eventually DVD shelf it. But, uh, but that, I feel like when I think about TV zombies, that's the big kind of gap in my repertoire. But, uh, but to go back to the, the, larger, the larger point, I do really appreciate about both in The Flash and then also layer of not, the fact that they make the characters who are returned from the dead the main characters. Those are, that is who the show is mm-hmm. about. And then, of course, the families around them trying to cope.
2: The first season of In the Flesh um, is so fantastic in its brevity and it works so well because it doesn't get bogged down with some of the periphery stuff, which is the social commentary, political commentary. It's certainly there and I think that they expanded on that in the second season um, and a little bit to my annoyance. uh, So like looking at both of those seasons as a whole, so nine episodes versus – the Returns Eight, it kind of follows the same pattern for me in terms of how my interest peaks. Um, but that first season as a unit was just perfect in its handling of this genre and the ways that it explored death, like you said, but also familiar uh, character traits, character arcs, but done in ways that are so interesting and feel really fresh. Um, I, I can't really say specific things about it, even just like the topics that they have to deal with, because that's kind of a spoiler in and of itself. But um, th- just the way that they interweave themes in In the Flesh's first season is among the best things that I've seen on television in the past couple years.
1: Well, having watched one episode of In the Flesh, um, my impression is that it's much more a show about grieving than Le Revenant is. Would that does that hold true? I,
0: I I don't know. That's interesting. Cause again, everybody drink because I really do feel like that's a prominent theme, in in Le Revenant, in in characters trying to do that, not sure how not to.
1: Yeah, this is getting into a semantic argument, like what may or may not be death metal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Le Revenant is, I think, more about what people do instead of grieving, or instead of like instead of focusing on the past and focusing on the loss, the way they try to replace it with other things, and the dead represent um, those things not going away. Um, whereas my impression of In the Flesh was that it was a little more, I guess, uh, uh, about in-the-moment grieving.
2: That I would certainly say that's a big part of its first season. Its second season goes more into the present, and, and much more forward-looking in terms of its story.
0: What do you guys think about the... Um... The traditional the way that that these two shows approach uh, the zombie genre and comment upon or uh, react to that because before Les Revenants I don't know how many and again I'm uh, as long term listeners of the television will be very well aware I'm a scaredy cat and I haven't seen a lot of horror films so it's very possible there's a large you know a long history of of zombie shows where the character where the zombies aren't really zombies and that they speak and have memories and everything, but for me that was a new idea with Le Revenant and Within the Flesh. Uh, so, David, what do you see as you know some as what Le Revenant has to say or as what it what its comment on the traditional zombie genre is?
1: Well, I I don't know that it is actually. I I don't think of Le Revenant as being any any way of like intentionally deconstructing the genre, the way that, like, a horror movie like um, Cabin in the Woods or uh, Scream um, does. I, I think it really just uses it as a delivery method. You know, I have... Uh, I had, a, I say this all the time, on Battleship Pretension, but I had a film professor who was very fond of saying there's nothing that can be said in cinema that can't be said in genre cinema. And um, I think... That's all that Evernote not doing everyone is doing is finding um a familiar backbone on which to tack its uh its ideas.
0: So that way do you see it more as do you see it more as a a genre or as a fantasy show than as a specific horror show um and then how oh, like
1: what genre what category would I put the show in?
0: Well yes and then tying in with that then how what do you see as the the shift as we get, you know, like we already mentioned the character eating some of his flesh and these other hints at maybe it becoming a more or taking on more of the traditional elements that we expect from a zombie show.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 um, I feel like it's so other than the fact that it's about dead people coming back. It's not really a zombie show at all to the point when, when people's flesh starts rotting, it almost feels like it's a little like wink, uh, you know like mm-hmm. uh like remember how this is about zombies but you forgot <laughs> cuz it's really i really if i were to find a category for the returned i would call it more of a like a psychological drama with horror elements cuz it never forgets that horrific things are are happening and never uh misses a chance to present them in uh horrific ways but i don't think that it's goal, as would be the case in a horror uh story, is to is to scare you.
0: What do you think, Sean? I think it's a tool. Right.
2: I I would agree with that. It's hard to categorize because what you've just said, I think I would also apply a lot of that to the Walking Dead, yeah. and yet the Walking Dead, when you look when you sit it next to the Returned, it's clearly more uh, of its genre. And yet I still feel like The Walking Dead is a drama set in a genre world. That the, that the genre element is backdrop. And yet that's uneven. That's like a hundred times that when you look at The Returns. So, um, I don't know. And then with Resurrection, that's more or less straight drama. There's no real horror elements to it. There's some, I guess, fantasy but there's never there was never a moment during those eight episodes that i thought that resurrection was being a fantasy show so that's kind of just a drama that has genre uh i guess qualities in its content i don't know well
0: because the traditional horror thing with zombies is that the zombies themselves are they're almost never the actual threat they they're there to put pressure upon the characters and then the real threat ends up being other people that I've seen very few zombie films, but I've seen enough to feel confident making that statement. Um, So just like very few Batman movies seem to actually be about Batman, they always end up being about the villains. Very few zombie movies seem to actually be about zombies in any way. Zombies are there so that our characters can't just, you know, sit comfy around their campfire at night.
1: I would agree that that's the case in almost every zombie movie.
0: So then how is that, how is Le Revenant different or is it the same? Or is it just another extension?
1: Because uh, I, I I don't really think of it as a zombie story at all. It has people coming back from the dead, but other than that, it's hard to uh, it's hard to it's hard for me to fit it into into that genre.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, of course I keep asking the same questions because I don't have any better answers. Uh, it just makes me think of what actually then is a zombie. Like what does something need to be to be a zombie? Show if we have all these different, you know, zombies can be slow or they can be fast or they can be dead or they can just be infected. Depend, and I know horror fans out there are yelling at their iPods or their pod catching devices, you know, chime in with because I know there's a lot of strong opinions on what, you know, a zombie actually is.
1: Personal definition of zombie because I'm, I, you know, I'm not nuts about running zombies, but I actually I like Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Um, I do think of those as zombies to me, the qualifications that I mean they have to be they have to have died and come back which rolls out 28 days later and they have to no longer be themselves. They have to no longer be uh, uh, functioning as the individuals they once were, which is why I don't think of the returned as being about zombies. Cause I mean, the original like going back to like the uh, voodoo, you know, zombies, they were literally dead bodies that were uh, reanimated and under the power of someone else. So I think uh, a lack of um, a lack of individuality is key to uh, to zombies, which again rules out the returned for me or the the revenant for me.
0: Yeah, well, and that is uh, that that is an element that I do key into, and maybe it's just from my history watching, you know, Buffy, which does actually have traditional zombies in that sense, and they're you know, so does Angel, and so does several other shows that like a lot of shows like to do that one off. Um whereas a show like The Walking Dead, there isn't a mastermind controlling the uh the walkers on that on that show. But
1: Well you know, we're leaving out a show that everyone forgets has zombies in it, which is Game of Thrones. Of course. Which, which has by my definition, those are real zombies. Everyone forgets. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's I, I think it's a satisfactory definition about the zombie itself as an entity i don't know if it's as easy to come up with an idea of what a zombie series is though um because again i think that looking at some of the classic zombie horror films i think the walking dead subverts the genre in a couple really interesting ways uh and yeah i think more people would be quick to categorize that as a traditional zombie series
0: in which ways does it subvert?
2: In ways where, and this is where we would have to get into the definition of a zombie series um, by looking at the presence of the zombies and how they're used because oftentimes and for stretches of episodes, it feels like it's just they're, they're there in the background. Um, they don't pose an imminent threat, And then the walking dead becomes much more uh, a straight character drama or family drama in some episodes. Um, so I, I think that, we're looking for definitions. It also has to do with the use of the zombie characters.
0: Okay. One of the things that, is, uh, that horror on TV has struggled with for a lot of its tenure, again, that I'm aware of, is, uh, is the continuing nature of television, the, the, you know, obviously with something like Le Revenant, there's only eight episodes in its first season. It's going to come back for a second season, but I kind of doubt it's come back for 22. Uh, <laughs> horror doesn't necessarily work as well with a constantly moving deadline. It's something that Hannibal has managed to uh, take, to, to deal with very effectively. Um, how, you know, how does the Le Revenant tie in with that for you, David? Can it, is this a show that you think can continue uh, to To continue in a lot, this long form narrative, or do you see this as more of a limited series, considering just how much things escalate in the course of the first season
1: well i'm glad you mentioned Hannibal because I'm always glad when people talk about hannibal but mm-hmm. um uh I think what it has done and what La Renant does is that's different than something like say American horror story is that the um which by the way also had zombies in the third season um uh, is that the kind of horror that they're trafficking in is, um, a, uh, a psychological existential horror that doesn't, uh, it's, I mean, I guess, I'm, you know, I'm not going to blow anyone's mind. It's the kind of horror we actually literally live with every day. Um, and that doesn't end until you die. Um, uh, I mean, there's a plenty of good stuff about life too, but it's also pretty horrible. And, um, I think that's why it's able to sustain itself because it's familiar. Um, we it, we're we're used to the idea that um, the things that we're scared of are gonna scare us the whole our whole lives. You know, things like uh, death and loss and all that stuff, our own death and the death of other people, uh, and, and and so it's because it runs deeper, it's able to run longer. Whereas um, and uh, American Horror Story goes for a little more superficial or empirical or immediate uh, scares, and that's why it turns into just a bunch of crazy stuff happening every week um, because it's constantly trying to keep up uh, a pace. So that, I guess that's the difference, and that's why it works.
0: Sean, thoughts? It's
2: I guess it's just fascinating that there are so many of these series that do that and i would agree that um probably doing psychological existential horror gives something ultimately longer legs i guess you can probably get away with something like american horror story the walking dead that goes for the more superficial thrills but that's going to become really tiresome after a while and i People who have stuck with The Walking Dead for as long as it has been on will certainly say that, and it has been the case. And that's been a, a huge issue that it's, that it's had um, and still does. So there's there's always more and interesting ways to do the things that Hannibal and The Return do, I would say.
0: For me, the, the nihilism that comes with the traditional zombie is 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 what gets tiresome after a while because when you constantly have that that threat that you know that's what makes zombies scary this notion that they will never stop coming they're they're there that you cannot you cannot argue with them they are their mind is gone and all they might be slow but they will eventually catch you because you need to sleep and you need to rest and they don't um but that brings with this it an inevitability that when you're on season, what are we five of the walking dead um, starts to starts to wear. you kind of start wanting either. Okay. I get it already. Either everybody dies or we need something to change and there to be some positivity because I can't take any more of the same tone. Um, I think the, with the Revenant, if they can, uh, because, because, I could have used more humor in Le Revenant, and maybe I'm just not remembering certain elements to the show that did have that humor. But if they can avoid that, I think that'll be one of the things that certainly sets it apart. There's definitely humor all over in the flesh, and it's one of the things I appreciate about it. Am I am I forgetting, David? Were there jokes that I'm forgetting?
1: In The Return, or in Le Revenant? Yeah. Um, nothing that leaves to mind, but uh, there's probably something, or else I wouldn't have liked it.
0: <laughs> well, and that's you know also the differences with eight episodes and sixteen or and twenty two You can sustain a tone like that without it being as oppressive in the same way for eight hours uh in you know usually much more successfully than if you're trying to you know keep the same unchanging unwavering tone for you know sixteen like it happens each season on uh, The Walking Dead now.
1: I agree we should talk about Buffy um and uh, Dead Man's Party, which is the one the one true zombie episode I could think of with Buffy
0: Yeah, because well, of course we had the undead rising consistently on Buffy, but we had specifically zombie-ish characters a few times or uh, creatures, I should say uh, Dead Man's Party is definitely one of the things that comes to mind for me, if only for that fantastic guest turn by Joyce's friend who we don't trust because we don't just we don't we don't like her even before she dies
1: Yeah but that's what, but they, those, because those zombies in Dead Man's Party are under the spell of some ancient, uh, god that was trapped in the artifact that Joyce hung on her wall, right? Am I giving them mm-hmm. No, the that's right. right, the
0: mask, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, by my definition, those are for real zombies.
0: For reals. And if you want to go, uh, infection zombies, uh, the Crotoan zombies on Supernatural are really effective, though those are more demons. It's a whole other thing. But they but they've done zombies very effectively on uh on Supernatural before. Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid is the episode that comes to mind, the Bobby Centric episode that uh is in keeping with uh elements of Le Revenant, I would say. Um I certainly would not trust Victor to not take the turn that uh Bobby's wife eventually does. Do we have any uh, other episodes other zombie-related episodes we want to mention? I'm
2: sure there was something in the X-Files that I'm forgetting right now. Millennium. Yeah.
0: Also known as that episode where Mulder and Scully kiss. That also has zombies in it. Um, But yeah, there's that that one. Um, To to bring it back to Le Revenant, uh, obviously, David, you're a bigger fan than we are, but... Do you have any um, any elements of that show you want to discuss before we move, we sign off here, or what are your hopes for this coming season?
1: Um, my hopes for this coming season have more to do with the audience than with the show. I hope people will accept the show on its own terms because I am uh, curious as to what a second season of The Le- Le- Revenant is going to look like, um, uh, and I hope that it, I hope that I like it as much as the first, but I will go in with an open mind. And I hope that the viewers uh, do the same.
0: It certainly got a lot of buzz this past year and a lot of coverage. Um, so hopefully it will come back to boosted numbers. We're, we're always fans of uh, experimental and uh, individual television on, here on the televerse. Sean, any final thoughts on Les Revenants or Zombies on TV? Uh,
2: people should certainly check it out if they haven't seen it. You know, we, we nitpick here because that's part of the job. But um, at the end of the day, it's, it's a fantastic series I, in many ways. I would predict, though, based on the critical buzz, so maybe not too many people saw it as it was airing, but uh, critics were kind of over the moon about it, um, that I imagine it'll kind of go the same route that Orphan Black did, where they'll be a little less keen on it in the second season.
0: Interesting. Bold statement there. And I'm gonna ride the middle and say, uh I hope it gets more viewers. I hope more people check it out. Uh more than anything, I'm leery about the notion of a remake. Really, guys? You needed a English, you know, I I don't know if I'm am I more leery about that remake or broad church? I'm just gonna sure. say
2: we're gonna need about six or seven different broad churches pretty soon.
1: Oh, yeah. Grace Point.
0: Yes. Ugh. <laughs> um, I haven't seen it, and maybe it's great. I didn't think Hannibal would be good either, and I was wrong. So maybe it'll be great, but it doesn't look like it. Um, my final thought on The Revenant is yes, yeah, as Sean says, uh, I, we watch we watch a lot of television on the Televerse, and uh, we I I know I am incredibly picky and uh, persnickety about about shows, and the thing to for a lot of people to remember when I'm when i'm being picky when i'm saying that that the show lost me that doesn't mean that i didn't watch all of it. it doesn't mean that i didn't think that there were some really tremendous performances throughout and that that probably most of the people who are still listening at this point would really like the show if they haven't seen it um i i'm i'm less engaged in a season 2 i could easily not see not watch another episode and just be fine with it but i would love for the show to I don't know if it's interested in going back to kind of the show that I felt like it was in the first few episodes, and then felt like it got away from. But if it is, that's a show I'm very interested to watch more of.
1: And uh, yeah, buy the DVDs and Blu-rays. Support uh, support uh, Music Box Film, which is an awesome Chicago-based company uh, that I support. Even I would support even if they didn't send me free stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and certainly, see. This, see the uh, show that the creators wanted you to see not the kind of muddy version that yeah some of us got to see thanks to comcast and DirecTV. tv but, but it sorry. is on netflix yeah and it, that's the high def yes i believe so yeah well david thank you so much for coming on to kind of ruminate on Le Revenant and these other series with us where can our listeners find you and your work online
1: uh, you can find me at battleshippretention.com dot uh, That's the home of my movie discussion podcast, Battleship Pretension. That's also the home of all uh, the movie reviews that I uh, that I write. You can find actually my review of uh, the Return season one uh, DVD set on there. Um, and uh, my TV podcast is called Hey Watch This with Paul and David. You can also find that at battleshippretention.com dot uh, com. You can follow me on Twitter at the Pretension. If you're coming to Comic Con. Um, Find me, uh, again, follow me at The Pretension, uh, and then Thursday night at Comic-Con at Dublin Square, come hang out with uh, me and and Kate and Sean, maybe, possibly? Um, Definitely uh, me.
0: Sean? What's that?
2: Yes, I will be in zombie form, though.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> so, yeah, come to Comic-Con. Come to Dublin Square on 4th Street Thursday night. All right, that's it.
0: Well, thank you again, uh, David, for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Telliverse.